may be seated. Hope you find your sermon notes for this morning. You can follow along as we go. Probably more important to talk about it uh, later on today or this week. We have a whole column of questions this week for you to go through with your family. I hope you'll use a few minutes uh, today or some time to take a look at that. So we're going to do a little uh, pretend this morning, so a little audience participation. So let's pretend, if you will, that it is the new year. Can you do that? It is the new year. Let's say that you have made a resolution to get in better shape, whatever that might be, maybe lose some weight, maybe uh, gain a little bit of muscle, uh, to look a little better, feel a little better, that is your resolution. So you are here, and I am your instructor today, you are in a fitness center. And so I am going to have two particular objects. I am going to show them to you, and you are going to tell me a little bit about each of them, okay? So first of all, I have an apple. What can you tell me about an apple? Anyone? Just go ahead and shout it out. What do you know about an apple? Shout it loud. It's fruit. Very good. Is it good for you? Yes, it is. What are some of the things that are in this particular apple? A little bit of sugar, natural sugar, vitamin C and other vitamins, pretty high in vitamin C, lots of fiber, which is good for you. It's about 86% water. That is very healthy. About 52 calories in this particular apple. Very healthy and also relatively inexpensive. All right, there's our apple. And then, as your instructor, I hold up this particular object. What do we know about a Hershey's candy bar? It is yummy. Yes, it is. It has more calories. It is higher in fat, very few vitamins, higher in added sugar. As your instructor, I will tell you, this is not the healthiest choice. It has lots of empty calories. And I also would tell you that this particular candy bar costs upward of $2 compared to the less than 50 cents that I spent for this apple. And then this lady over here would say, if you spent $2, I will give you three for it, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. Because that is the point. Human nature will choose the candy bar over the apple. And so it was from the very beginning. Over these next seven weeks, we're going to go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation so that we see the theme, the main purpose, that God has given us his word and what his plan is human beings. And all through the entire Bible, you will learn to see the same theme, not only for yourself, but for others as well. So we begin, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he looked each day, he said, it is good. And on the last day, he said, it is very good when he created human beings. And then he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, in paradise. And he told them, you can eat from anything at all in this garden, any of the plants, any of the fruits, any of the vegetables, except one thing. I put a 
tree in the middle, the very center of the garden. It is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it will be a test for you. Eat from anything else. It's all good, but don't eat from this tree. He told Adam before he created Eve, because when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, one day, Eve is strolling through the garden, right? And she's looking around. What are we going to have for lunch today? And she sees right there in the center, it may not have been an apple, but you can picture in your mind a red, delicious apple. Juicy. Pleasing to sight. And also, the Bible says... She thinks that by eating it, she will gain wisdom as well. And she thinks to herself, God is holding out on us. He said we couldn't eat from this one because it is the very best thing. He's holding it back. I don't know if we can trust him. And then the serpent comes along. And he says the exact same thing. You're not going to really die if you eat from this. But instead, your eyes will be opened. And you'll know the difference between good and evil. And so what does Eve do? We all know. She takes a bite. And sin then comes into the world because there is disobedience and a lack of trust in the Lord. To compound the problem, here comes Adam strolling along afterward. What's for lunch, honey? Well, I've got this beautiful apple. Does he say, oh, honey, we weren't supposed to eat from that. Don't you remember? I've told you over and over and over. Eat from anything, but not from this tree. But no, Adam doesn't do that. Doesn't protect his wife. Isn't the loving husband that he should be. Instead, he waits to see if she's going to die or not. And she doesn't. So he says, all right. Must be good to eat. And he also believes the lie. God's holding out. You can't trust him. He doesn't want us to be as powerful as he is. And so he eats the apple as well. I mean, what a guy, right? Using his wife as a guinea pig to see if she's going to die or not. I mean, come on. If you see a talking snake, don't listen. I'm just telling you. Good advice, don't listen to the snake. So, who do you want to blame? Shall we blame Eve for the predicament that we are in? She brought sin into the world if she hadn't listened to the serpent. Or do we blame Adam? I mean, he is also complicit in the crime. He also ate from it, and he knew better. And yet he let his wife eat, and he ate himself. Isn't that what we do? We blame everyone else when we fall into sin? Adam blames Eve. God, this woman that you gave to me. Actually, he blames God. He says, if you hadn't given her to me, I wouldn't be in this predicament in the first place. It's all your fault. Eve blames the devil. The serpent deceived me. And don't we do that as well? Now, I know you have to be old like me to remember this. Does anybody remember Flip Wilson? Kids, you have to Google this one. Right? Geraldine, you remember that whole routine, right? 
So it goes something like this. I won't do it nearly as well as Flip Wilson, but Geraldine's husband says, where did you get that dress? And when we talked about this, we decided that we weren't going to spend that kind of money. And of course, the answer is the devil, what? Made me do it. The devil made me do it. Well, what are you supposed to say when you're tempted? What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Did you say that? She says, yes. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. But he said, it looks just as good from back here as it did in the front, right? There you go. Terrible joke, I know. Worse, theology. Blame the devil. The devil tempts us. But he doesn't make us choose what we do. We are the ones who are responsible for our own actions, for our own choices, and for the consequences of our sin. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we all took a look first at the cost of the sin before we bite the apple? I mean, we do this in every other way of life, don't we? If you go to the store, aren't you always checking the prices, especially these days with inflation? We check the price. And so you look at something, and you really, 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 really like it. But if the price is too high, in fact, even if you love it, if the price is too high, you say, no, thank you. I don't want to pay the price. Now, it would have been completely different if when Eve saw the apple or whatever fruit it was, and it looked terrible if it was full of worms, if it looked like death warmed over, which is what it's going to end up in anyway, she could have easily turned it down, but it looked good, pleasing to the eye. She wanted to acquire more wisdom. She thought God was holding out on her. But she did not count the cost. What about you? Would our young people dabble in alcohol and drugs if they knew the potential ending? Houses cheat on one another if they knew the pain and the heartache that it's going to cause. Would we lie repeatedly, even little white lies, if we knew what it does to our reputation? Would we steal if we knew we would end up in jail? Consequences of sin not only in the garden, which led to the corruption of the entire world, but the consequences of our own misdeed. The first thing to go is innocence and intimacy in our relationship. God created human beings for relationship. From the very beginning, he said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. You need a helpmeet. We will call her a wife. And then there are children. And there are extended families, and we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We have neighbors and we have friends. God intends for us to be intimate with one another. So after the sin, what do Adam and Eve do? They go and hide. Why? Because they have now discovered that they are naked. They've been naked the entire time. But now they are ashamed. They are filled with guilt. They are exposed for what they have done. There is no longer innocence in our world. The things that we long for 
to not know so much evil. And then we have the punishments, the judgment on Eve, pain in childbirth. She's going to have to answer to her husband. There is now strife, potential for estrangement. Let's take a look at the entire book of Genesis. In the siblings, how well do they get, do they get along? Pretty well? How about Cain and Abel? Do they get along pretty good? No, Cain kills his brother. Jacob and Esau, they were blood brothers, right? Yeah, blood. They wanted each other's blood. Ishmael and Isaac. Joseph. He had 11 brothers who hated him. All of them. It's a disaster. And then a relationship with God. Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. And God says, now there is going to be toil in your work. You see, work in the beginning was a gift. It was meant to be enjoyed. And I hope you enjoy your work, but aren't there some days when it's not so much fun? Because the sin that, that we do, the things that we do, the choices that we, make, that we make affect not only ourselves, but everything around us. Get this, God says, he doesn't curse Adam. He, he curses the serpent. We'll get to him in a minute. But he curses not Adam, but he curses the ground. You see, what you did causes a curse over here. And so there's going to be toil in your work, and there's going to be thorns and thistles. It's not going to be easy anymore. All of nature is corrupted, and so we have floods, and we have fires, we have tornadoes, and we have hurricanes, and mosquitoes. I don't think they were in God's original plan. I'm not sure. And then we get to the serpent as well. The serpent is cursed. Going to eat dust, not literally, but going to crawl on the ground. As a living example of the old evil foe being defeated. Being lower than any of the livestock in the wild animals. And then God says, one day, the head of the snake is going to be crushed completely. And in that, in every aspect of the curse, of the punishment, of the judgment, we see hope. In the pain of childbirth, there is still what? A child. There is new life. And so there is hope. Even in the curse of the ground, in the toil of the work, there is fruit. New life and nourishment for people. Even in the expulsion from the garden, Adam and Eve are expelled and no longer can they live in paradise, and neither can we. But at the same time, this angel is preventing Adam and Eve from eating from another tree. Do you remember which one it was? Anybody? The tree of life. Because what happens when you eat from the tree of life? You live forever. And what state are we in? What state were Adam and Eve in? They were in the state of sin, of corruption and fallenness. Estranged from God, and that is how they would live forever if they ate from the tree. So God, even in the fall of humans, even in the midst of our sin, he has a plan, a plan of redemption. 
Because one day he will send his son Jesus in another garden. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? You remember Jesus went with his disciples away to pray? You remember how Peter and John and James, they all fell asleep, but Jesus went over further, and he knelt down, and what did he say? Not my will. Not my will, God. Not my will, Father. But yours be done. If it were up to him, he would take the easy way out, just like us. He would choose the candy bar. But instead, he chose the cross. And there, naked, just like Adam, but not guilty in and of himself, but taking on our sin and taking on our guilt, He finally does crush the old evil foe through his death and his resurrection. My friends, no matter what we have done, no matter what poor choices we have made in the past, each and every day, as we did again through our confession this morning, we get a new slate and we see God's plan that through the gift of his Son, Jesus Christ, we have the victory over sin and death. And one day the Lord will return and he will take us to the final garden. The one that the book of Revelation talks about where the tree of life is there in the very center. And all of us can eat from that tree and live forever. Not in sin, not in punishment, Not in estrangement, but in total unity with God and one another. And so, just as sin entered the world through the one man, through those first people, the victory over sin is won. Again, by the one man, the Son of God, Jesus himself. And that is the message that we see throughout the entire Bible. I pray that you will see it more clearly each and every day. Amen. Amen. Let's all rise.